everyone, I'm Justin Cole, and I'd like to welcome you to Disrupt, a podcast from Cedarville University's Center for Pharmacy Innovation. Today on the podcast, we are talking with Dr. Thad Franz and Dr. Andrea Kowalski. Thad is Vice Chair of Experiential Programs with the Cedarville University School of Pharmacy. He is also Director of Cedar Care Village Pharmacy in Cedarville, Ohio. Andrea is the Director of Clinical Services with Shriver's Pharmacy. She previously served as an MTM pharmacist, a compounding lab manager, and a preceptor at Shriver's. Welcome to the podcast, Thad and Andrea. We're glad to have you today. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Yeah. All right. Well, let's dive right in. So first, let me start with uh, with Thad. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, uh, Dr. Cole, uh, again, my name is Thad Franz. Uh, I've been at Cedarville here for the last 10 years, uh, both teaching and practicing in community pharmacy, and uh, have a wife and four kids. Uh, we live here in the town and have really become a part of this community, both with directing Cedar Care Village Pharmacy, as well as uh, being a uh, faculty member in the School of Pharmacy. Great. And Andrea, can you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah, so I'm the Director of Clinical Services with Driver's Pharmacy. Um, we are a multi-store independent pharmacy in Southeast Ohio. We currently have eight locations. Um, when I started working there, I, I started working right out of Ohio State when I graduated in 2014. Uh, my role has changed over time, done a couple different things, but currently now uh, my biggest focus is on implementing clinical services uh, throughout all of our pharmacies. Great. So, of course, both of you are in independent community pharmacy where we see a lot of change happening, particularly here in the state of Ohio. A lot of that has happened because of advocacy efforts on both our pharmacy organizations fronts and individual pharmacists like yourselves. So, I guess, Andrea, could you tell me a little bit about what this idea of pharmacy advocacy means to you? Yeah. Um, advocacy to me means that we're making me meaningful change through actions that capture our worth in the pharmacy profession. We really can't expect to make change or progress in our profession without showing the value of a pharmacist. And I think that means that we have to go beyond our traditional roles by finding new innovative ways to use our knowledge and our unique position within the community to best serve our patients. And that's when the change can really happen. Um, so I think it's really about uh, really focusing on moving forward and change and really showing that through actions that we are doing in our current um, practice locations. Great. Now, Thad, if I ask you the same question, what does pharmacy advocacy mean to you? What are some thoughts that you have? Yeah, wearing multiple hats here at Cedarville, both as a professor and uh, in the community practice, I, I think of it as twofold. We want to model excellence uh, as a professor and as a director, but also uh, be innovative in our mindset uh, as you know, even Andrea shared. We wanna continue to see pharmacy moving forward. And uh, I, I think our next generation of pharmacists is really key to that. And so uh, part of the ways I, I strive to do that is um, again, thinking of new uh, services that we can provide at the community pharmacy where uh, both Andre and I are both involved in a pilot program that I, I feel like is really taking some new legislative movement um, for pharmacists as uh, seen as providers in our state and really uh, seeing what does that look like in the community pharmacy space. And, and so uh, not only 
uh, providing that service, but bringing students along in that service. How can they be a part of that change? So then when they're going out as the next generation of pharmacists, that's their mindset. Uh, and sometimes that means there's ups and downs. That, that means we have to take risks. But if they've seen that modeled before them, then they're going to be uh, geared and have the resources uh, to move forward with uh, those changes. And then I think of just modeling excellence uh, as a pharmacist, as a professor, um, having conversations of uh what does that, um, how can I support our students? So, um, because these students are going to be our next directors, our next, um, you know, pharmacists uh, that are doing amazing things. And I see uh, five years of um, our graduating class and students that are alumni out there now and the, the amazing things that they're doing. I'm, I'm hopeful that um, being a part of the school and, and modeling that before them is a, a part of why they can be successful today. Great. So now I want to turn very practical and simply ask uh, Andrea to start. How have you personally been involved in advocacy efforts? Maybe another way to phrase the question would be, how does your day-to-day -day practice influence your advocacy efforts? Sure. So my role as the Director of Clinical Services at Shrivers really allows me to be constantly innovating and creating new programs that allow our pharmacists to practice at the top of their license in roles that don't exist in most pharmacies. So we're really at that point where we are spearheading a lot of programs that um, are showing our worth that maybe other pharmacists in other settings haven't had the chance to show yet. Um, a lot of the programs that we develop at our pharmacies and implement are really based off the needs of the community um, they're based off of the needs of entities to, who have come to us for help. Uh, and it's through those services that we really have started to show the value of a pharmacist. And that, and that really gets picked up by insurers. They notice these things um, and other prescribers start to notice these things and they start to use us in these new roles. And I think that's really how our profession progresses. Um, so to be more specific, um, you know, Thad had mentioned like the Molina pilot or our, we had a payer who approached us who wanted to try a program where um, they were going to pay our pharmacists to do services and pay us for our time to um, better our patient care. And um, that has kind of been like a gold standard. It's always been my goal, something that I've wanted to be involved with because it's a really great chance for us to really show how we can make a difference in our communities. Um, we, with this whole pandemic starting, we had noticed a lot of increase in um, antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications. So we developed a behavior health program where we're calling patients and checking in on them and administering PHQ-9 and GAD-7 tests. And over time, we've seen that those scores have improved as a pharmacist is more involved and in following up in those conversations. Um, so that's been a really great way for us. Um, to really show our worth and really be part of that healthcare team. Uh, we also saw a need for COVID testing in our community. So um, we're, we're in a very rural area. Oftentimes those areas are really overlooked. Uh, so we didn't have the, like the free test that a lot of the bigger chains had. So we had to kind of come up with our own program and um, implement this testing to really keep our community safe and also to keep our community functioning and open during that time. Great, so Thad, same question for you. Yeah. How do you see your everyday 
intersecting with advocacy efforts and how have you personally been involved? Yeah, so again, I'm going to take the twofold approach of just what does it look like down at Cedar Care and uh, as well as a professor and uh, to kind of piggyback off of all Andrea said, I mean, the pandemic has brought new opportunities for the pharmacy, uh, again, to involve um, students, residents, and fellows that practice there uh, to push out new services. COVID um, ha- has not only provided opportunities for testing, uh, very similarly, um, but also uh, we're awaiting any day now to provide the vaccine and uh, and really want to be prepared uh, to provide that. So again, uh, I think at, when, when I think of advocacy, we're pushing things forward, but also involving uh, those learners around us. And that's our vision at Cedar Care Village Pharmacy. One is to be innovative, but two, to be a teaching pharmacy. And what, what does that really mean? Well, when you have a, a fellow uh, that you're getting to mentor and, and teach and, and allow them to kind of spread their wings and provide uh, practice opportunities, but then also bring along students when uh, we have a school pharmacy just blocks down the road, uh, that really uh, drives change, that drives uh, innovation and research opportunities because there's so many minds uh, coming together together to really uh, focus on the community and serve the community well. Uh, we've also worked closely with uh, the High Pharmacists Association as well as the Center for Pharmacy Innovation on a few expanded practice initiatives that we see in other states but currently don't have the opportunity in Ohio. So one example of that is because I think – uh, the public is going to start seeing pharmacies as testing centers. Uh, how can we um, expand that even one step further and be a one-stop shop for our patients? So if we're testing for strep or if we're testing for flu and it's a positive test, uh, could we provide the, the medication right there when, when they're there? They don't have to um, go and follow up with their physician and maybe lose that opportunity for care. And so those are the things that we want to see uh, in, in our cloud of practice agreement that we have uh, in place in Ohio to see that expanded to some of these other uh, maybe specialty services that we could provide. And then as a professor, I love taking students to the Ohio Pharmacists uh, Association uh, le- uh, Legislative Day uh, for students and just to see not only students advocating for our profession, profession, but also talking with legislators and students about the current and future topics that are pushing our uh, profession forward. And it is really a great opportunity uh, to start thinking about future practice and being on the front end of that at the State House. Great. All right. I I also want to introduce uh, Matt Miracle. He's one of our interns with the Center for Pharmacy Innovation here, and he's going to be asking a few questions as well. So, Matt, uh, I'll let you go ahead and uh, take it away. Yeah, so Dr. Franz, you, you mentioned um, the the change in perception with the public. I think that that is something we we like to focus with advocacy on. What are we doing at the state level? What are we what are we telling legislators? But um, maybe something that doesn't get highlighted as often is your greatest advocate might be your next door neighbor or the person who shows up at your pharmacy. But in regards to um, that public perception. Part of the public perception also is other healthcare providers. And how do we, or how have you in that case maybe uh, worked alongside other providers to show them just because we might expand a service or now we have a the ability to go and bill for something or do a test and provide um, based on some sort of agreement, go and provide the actual service to, to get the person out the door and healthy. Um, how, how do you manage those conversations with other providers when they might perceive that potentially as a threat to their own business and livelihood? 
That's a great question, Matt. Um, you know, I think it takes time and it takes patience. Uh, it takes uh, developing the relationship, especially with those other healthcare professionals that are maybe in your town or in your village, uh, to see what are the needs of our community at large, and, and that this is a collaborative effort to meet those needs. Uh, and, and the pandemic has really provided challenges to all healthcare professionals. Uh, whereas I, I feel like pharmacists, in, in a unique way, has still been accessible to the patients. And so they're asking a lot of questions. They're, they have needs that we can uh, solve and, and, and come alongside with, uh, especially in the pandemic. So that's provided these opportunities for conversations with physicians, uh, with nurses, uh, and, and seeing how, how can we meet those uh, continued needs, especially in the pandemic. So, I, I, again, I... I think there might be a road to travel. I think there's opportunities to pre present evidence-based practices uh, maybe outside of our state to say, hey, this is what Michigan's doing. This is what Kentucky's doing. And how can we bring that uh, to Ohio and expand our practices here? Uh, again, not um, shying away from um, it being a solo effort, but really a collaborative effort. Yeah. So highlighting that, we're, we're all on the care team. We're not here to be competition necessarily. Um, just because somebody might work for a different employer doesn't necessarily or shouldn't even mean that we, um, you know, will refuse to work with a patient just because they happen to go somewhere else. Um, and then we can, we can all see the, the community then becomes kind of the patient for us. It's not just a matter of the individual that I take care of, but also making sure that the the um, health and livelihood of the patients around me, just in my community in general, are also benefiting. So, Andrea, have you had um, a similar experience with providers in your area, or have you had to have some of these conversations with them at all? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I would kind of agree with what Thad was saying. It's definitely something that's going to take time, and I think that that's why it's so important. I feel with every program that we do, it's all about um, almost like collecting data and being able to, I think when you can go to a prescriber and not just tell them, hey, I have this clinical knowledge, I can help your patients, but like actually showing them how you've made changes and how you've made improvements to their patients, I think that speaks volumes, um, which is why uh, we were so excited about the pilot program that we're in just because we've been able to um, really come up with a solid way to um, really follow up with our patients and uh, manipulate data and provide data to our prescribers like, hey, when I first started talking to this patient, this was their, like their PHQ-9 score, and then I followed up a few weeks later, and it's improved by this much, and they start to kind of give trust our profession more, our judgment more, and see the positive outcome in their patients. So I think it's, it's definitely going to take time because that isn't something that we've just developed overnight. It's been months of work, but um, those are definitely conversations that I think that that's the best way in my experience to approach prescribers is to show them our, our, um, our positive outcomes with our patients. And I would just share to Andre's point, you know, we're both in rural communities, so we don't have the resources accessible to us that, that other urban uh, cities do. And so I, I feel like our healthcare professionals are more open to working with us 
to combine our efforts, combine our resources to better our communities. The second thing I would say in, in light of hearing Andrea's points is most healthcare professionals, physicians, uh, mid-level providers, they don't want to take care of the train wreck patient that is focused on medications. And so we want to show that that's the pa patient that we want to serve well. That's the patient that we want to come alongside uh, because we are looked at as the medication expert. And so how can we provide maybe an opportunity for a referral process that we start to help them with their hardest patients because of the medication needs that that patient has, and it really can expand from there. So utilizing that, what Andrea was saying, sort of the competency in that you need to have to work with another provider, but also showing them, hey, I can I can help you out with a, maybe the patient that you have had some frustration with and um, maybe you have gotten a little tired of working with them, something like that. You, it's a, it's a service oriented opportunity then not a, um, not just, you know, let me hop in and help you sort of thing. It's, I, I, I don't just want to help you. I want to make sure that I can help you help your patients as well. I mean, what I seek to tell our students when it comes to these expanded opportunities is listen to your stakeholders and what their needs are and go and meet that need first. And that will only expand your future opportunities. But yeah, you're exactly right. You have to, you have to go in with a listening ear and a service uh, mindset uh, to be successful. Great. So one of the things that I've seen in pharmacy as a whole is that complacency often breeds mediocrity. And if we are going to continue to serve our patients with excellence, we have to have vision for how we can use new technologies, new approaches, and new programs like you guys have described to, to enhance the patient care that we serve. So having that vision requires us to understand where we are today. So here's my next question for you. And that is, what are the biggest challenges you feel that the professional pharmacy faces today? And how do these um, maybe even hinder some of the care that we can provide to our patients? So, Andrea, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts? Um, I would say that our biggest challenge kind of revolves around the fact that really pharmacies can't make it on dispensing drugs alone. Um, and that has its own implications and its own reasons, reimbursements, DIR fees, all that stuff. But what essentially that has led to is hours being cut and focus being on large volume and how, how many scripts can a pharmacist fill with the least amount of time, because that's going to be the most um, financially stable way to run the pharmacy. And so phar the pharmacists are really trapped in a box of not being able to practice outside of dispensing. And they're kind of stuck in that fill scripts, just get all these numbers and these metrics done. And we're not able, or they are not able to expand on their, um, their clinical knowledge and provide these services to patients. So I think that has been the biggest thing because pharmacists need the time and the space to practice and be the drug experts outside of just the dispensing model. Um, and I think that that's really, that's been the biggest um, issue, I guess, with a lot of the pharmacies, um, the models that we see today. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it all starts with change. It doesn't have to be like a huge change, but like in, in our pharmacy, we, in, in a time where a lot of hours are being cut, we've decided to add pharmacist overlap hours and we've challenged our pharmacists to 
really um, do enough clinical services to kind of pay for that overtime or that extra time. And it's been really remarkable to see because we've seen a lot of our pharmacists um, telling us that they feel like real pharmacists again, and they're able to focus on the clinical side of pharmacy and they are doing enough services to, um, to justify the time that, that we've given them as that extra overlap. And it's really changed the way our pharmacists work in their workflow um, and their attitudes in pharmacy. And it's been really exciting. So I think that that's the biggest challenge that I've seen so far. I mean, I completely agree, Andrea. I, I really still think our profession has an identity crisis. You know, as an educator, we preach to our students patient-centered care, but we still have pharmacies today, as Andrea alluded to, that's just driven by the business, driven by volume. And I, and I also talk with pharmacists that are in that setting that they want out. They This is not what they studied for for many years, and this is, this is not the environment that they want to be in. And I have students, especially being an experiential director, that goes out into these practice experiences, and they have great concern, even to the point of they might have thought that they want to be a community pharmacist, and, and now they're thinking otherwise because of what the environment that they're seeing. And so uh, to speak to those students and, and to speak to our pharmacists that for sure are at the challenge of uh, overworked and under, you know, underpaid or uh, understaffed, um, I, I think uh, we have to set up our next generation of pharmacists, our students, to be change agents. That that it can look different. And Andre's uh, hit on that point of how we can start to approach those challenges is uh, is to continue to think through what are some of the new opportunities that would bring in revenue. But it is it, at the heart of it is the patient. So uh, clinical services, as we've been talking about already, there's been new opportunities that have brought great revenue to our pharmacy. So we can't uh, not think about the business at hand. We have to stay open and be sustainable. But at the other, at, at, on the other side of that, um, we, we, we again can't allow that to um, hinder uh, our focus, and that is serving our communities and serving our patients. So I think there's some opportunities in specialty pharmacy that, that independent pharmacies and community pharmacies could take advantage of that have uh, wide margins, but again, a great need for help for patients uh, because there's uh, education opportunities and there's monitoring that needs to go on. So uh, th this is just one example of how I think we can bring this together and we can see community pharmacy really be that one-stop shop for patients and community members uh, that we're trying to serve. Great. So I know one of the initiatives that's been moving forward here in the state of Ohio has been provider status. And e even amongst pharmacists, I think there are some misconceptions about that. Pharmacists have been recognized legally as providers in the state of Ohio for a number of years. We've been able to enter collaborative practice agreements with prescribers. Um, that's even expanded now due to the COVID-19 pandemic, where we can enter these agreements with um, physicians assistants and nurse practitioners directly, not just physicians. However, that initiative hasn't been about just recognizing the clinical skills and services we provide. It's allowing for reimbursement for those, um, those services. So that's one of the ways I think, at least in the state of Ohio, we're breaking down these barriers that we're seeing. But, but there are others. So, um, Andrea, what are some of the other efforts that we need to work on to challenge these issues and change the paradigm? 
So, I mean, I think on one hand, I think there needs to be more push for PBM reform and other aspects of reimbursement. So that is kind of in its own cell in itself. Um, but I think on the other hand, there just needs to be a lot of reform made at the core of the pharmacy model. And I kind of alluded to it before. It doesn't have to be this like radical change where we're throwing the whole you know, pharmacy model out the window, but just starting with small changes, like I had mentioned with the pharmacist overlap and adding hours to our pharmacist, pharmacist to give them time to do um, other works, other works besides the dispensing type um, stuff. And um, I think that, you know, we, um, by doing that, by, by giving our pharmacists that extra time, we've really seen um, a big change in our um, our relationships with our providers um, they we have more rapport with them we've been able to establish ourselves as more than just a drug dispensing pharmacy so you know pharmacy or pres prescribers have started to reach out to us when they have questions or when they have like we've mentioned before like that patient who has the really difficult medication regimen that they can't um they've kind of come to the end of the road with and they want us to help out with that and we've seen that even in our compounding lab with pain management so it's been really exciting to kind of um separate ourselves as pharmacists who are also taking the time to talk to our patients and do um, other services to really take care of them and their well-being. Um, and that's also helped our pharmacists with their relationships with our patients. Like as an independent pharmacist, we are in a position where we, I mean, we are seeing our patients still in person during, even during this pandemic. And we're really sometimes the only provider, healthcare provider that patients actually interact with at this point in time. So it's really been um, exciting to see how we've really um, established ourselves with our patients and their perception of what kind of services or what kind of help they can get at the pharmacy. Um, so I think, like I said, I, I think that it for us, our answer at Shrivers has been to increase our pharmacist hours and give our pharmacists the time and the free range to really implement and um, act out on some of these clinical services and serve our patients better. Great. Thad, what changes do you feel we need to make as a profession to keep this momentum going? Yeah, I, I like Andrea's point of uh, just thinking through practice change in the community pharmacy model. And, and I and I really do think the the pandemic has provided some opportunities to relook at responsibility and expanding our team. Uh, I, I couldn't be successful down at Cedar Care without our techs, our interns, and, and our other additional staff there that have just stepped up and been empowered to do, uh, you know, provide responsibilities and provide services that they weren't providing before. And we've seen. Uh, the federal government come alongside to say these are expanded you know opportunities for techs and for interns and so I, i'll be interested to see post covid what will that look like uh will will pharmacists or will our profession take advantage of rethinking uh reshaping what the community pharmacy looks like and and giving the pharmacist um, the opportunity really to take time with patients and work at the top of their license, so to speak. So 
I, I think that is an opportunity that we cannot miss. And I think there's been, if I'm honest, as, as a professional now for a number of years, I think we've missed opportunities in the past. But I think as a profession, we're geared and ready uh, to, to move forward with change. And, uh, and again, I, I want our students to be a part of uh, kind of reflecting on that in this, this pandemic um, you know, year or longer and, and just seeing how things can change moving forward. And they're going to be a big part of that. Yeah, that's great. Andrea, I love the way you frame um, how change needs to happen in um, in pharmacy and in particular in community practice. We are not in need of a 180 degree shift in change, meaning we have to completely change how we do things. I think we're looking at five degree, seven degree course corrections, things that we can do to enhance what we're doing. Um, and so uh, uh, the next question, I guess, is just springboarding off that. So how do we as pharmacists and our future pharmacists, meaning our students, get involved now with advocating on behalf of our profession? So Thad, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I think uh, there's lots of opportunities to um, really just connect uh, our, our students to those leaders in our profession in the state uh, to network, uh, networking and just uh, connecting with people and sharing your passions uh, for why you're in the profession, I think goes a long way to building those connections that will pay dividends later on. I, I also think some of the things that we alluded to earlier, being involved at the state house uh, with, with legislation, uh, being is staying up to date on what is new legislation that impacts our profession and uh, how can we uh, not only uh, see that approved at a state level, but what does that look like practically in our day-to-day? -day? So most of our students are interns somewhere, and I think uh, they bring a fresh perspective to the pharmacies that they're working in uh, because they're staying up-to-date a lot of times more than their, their local pharmacists and the, their, their preceptors. So I, I think that is just at least one way that we can get our students involved um, I seek to try to have as many students down to pharmacy and practice. I know our faculty here uh, are constantly having our students involved, whether they're precepting them or they're just shadowing. Uh, so it's really expanding uh, their outlook of pharmacy as a whole. Great. Andrea, what are your thoughts about how student pharmacists and current practicing pharmacists can get involved in these efforts? Yeah, so I definitely echo everything that Thad said and kind of adding to that, I feel like it's really important for students to get involved in their in local organizations. So for me, when I've been a member of OPA throughout pharmacy school and even beyond, and I feel like I've had a lot of really great networking opportunities, kind of as Thad said, and even just resources through OPA or getting involved in any organization that's specific to your practice. There are so many of them out there. Um, really keeping up to date with legislative issues. That's really important. It can be kind of intimidating. I think some people, you know, when they think about going to the state house, it's kind of terrifying to them. So, I mean, I think that there are definitely other ways that you can also be involved just through your organizations and aspects. Um, and then kind of a unique, um, a unique aspect of this pandemic. Um, we've really come to find that um, really partnering with our local health departments has been really helpful. 
um, one of our pharmacists at one of the stores was able to start a dialogue with their local health department and actually got asked to be on their board. Um, and he's the only pharmacist on their board now serving and kind of as a an advocate again for pharmacy and kind of especially with everything with the vaccine going on um, that we're doing and testing having a pharmacist on their board of members and having our pharmacist opinion and kind of perspective on the whole thing has been really helpful and that has been an avenue that doesn't necessarily involve you know going and talking to legislators it's being an actual like member of a board which has been really exciting so again it's it's all about networking and just you know having those conversations with the right people and um, really getting involved in areas that are um, specific to you know your practice um, and the things that are going on in your pharmacy in your community Great. Well, we've already alluded to it, and Andrea, you just did again. COVID has reoriented our views in a lot of ways on what pharmacists do, what they can do, and what we should be advocating for. So, um, Thad, can you maybe describe further how you think the COVID-19 pandemic has changed um, what efforts pharmacists should advocate for? Yeah, I, I, I think it just... Uh alludes to some of the conversation we've had just uh, over the past few moments. Uh, the public is seeing us more than just uh, dispensing of medications. And, um, and as Andrea alluded to earlier, we, we are the most accessible uh, healthcare professional at any point in time, but especially since the pandemic has hit. And I've had so many patients call us and, and ask questions that I don't know if they would have asked uh, a year and a half ago. They would have probably sought to, uh, you know, call one of their other uh, healthcare team members uh, that, that cares for them. And so I think uh, taking advantage of this moment in time with the pandemic, uh, because the light is being shined on our profession. Uh, we've seen it uh, both in the public eye, uh, in social media, and uh, it's been far too long that pharmacists have kind of been behind the scenes. And as a profession, we have not been bold and quick enough to take advantage of the opportunity in front of us. And I think the time is now. That doesn't mean we kind of do, it, do this again in silos, that we uh, seek to offer collaborative uh, services with our healthcare team, kind of staying in our lane, so to speak, and be the medication expert. It is time to expand our practice and be fulfilled within our scope of practice as community pharmacists, as hospital pharmacists, and as ambulatory care pharmacists. Great. Andrea, so how has COVID uh, reoriented your views on pharmacists and our practice? Yeah, so I think um, that if anything, this pandemic has shown me that we need to be more bold in our scope of practice as pharmacists. Um, kind of going off what Thad was saying, I like that word bold because I feel like it's something that we now have seen where in this pandemic that pharmacists have been absolutely essential in managing and maintaining our patients' health care during this time. Um, like I kind of said before, in, in, the, in the space where other healthcare professionals have transitioned to more face-to-face -face with like telehealth, um, pharmacy has really expanded that, and we are sometimes the only healthcare provider that a person comes in contact with. Um, so I'm even thinking specifically, like with our COVID testing, like we are still seeing patients throughout this whole pandemic and really um, helping them and being a part of that whole process with them. 
Um, and then we've also, pharmacists have been essential in mitigating this virus, like through the testing and also now through the vaccinating. And we've seen that pharmacies and pharmacists have been doing this really efficiently. Um, so I really think it shows that pharmacists are essential to the healthcare team. And it, it should be really encouraging to us as we kind of branch into this new territory because where in, in this whole pandemic where there has been a need for our patients to um, have access to healthcare, pharmacists have really stepped in and we've really um, come up to bat at, for that for our patients and really um, we've pulled through and been able to really help out um, in ways that we weren't doing before. One of those practical ways with the, I guess even the practical difference of the, what does the building look like is a way that pharmacy can kind of help, especially with COVID testing, like you mentioned, where what doctor's office has a drive through right? Um, if you're going to, yeah. you, like, you might have a, you might have a drive up where maybe they'll come and meet you out in the parking lot and do the testing. Um, but I can totally isolate myself, put a hand through your, through your driver's side window, give you a bag, walk you through how to do it over the phone and we're good to go. There's hardly any, um, any contamination risk, or at the very least, if there is, it's, it's in an isolated area and it can be pretty manageable. Now I know that not every, not every pharmacy is going to have a, a, a drive up window. Of course, plenty of them, plenty of them don't. Um, and that's great. You know, there's, um, the, the difference in workflow at that point, but it's, it's interesting to see where, um, unintentionally some of these, some of these, uh, just the practical differences and even what the building looks like has helped out with, um, just the change in practice as COVID has been kind of going through the United States in the last year. Matt, to your point, uh, it provides a lot of uh, satisfaction as a director to see that we have this large facility at Cedar Care Village Pharmacy and every aspect of the square footage is being used for pharmacy <laughs> practice. We have two consult rooms right now. It's testing in one, vaccines in another. Sometimes it's, it's testing and vaccines in both. Um, I mean, so that that's a joy to see that, it, again, it shows that it's not just about the dispensing, but we're using every space for consultation, for uh, vaccine and testing centers. And I, again, I don't think that's going away. I, I, I think we have to stay on the front end of um, how do we shift our model for this to be sustainable long term? Um, I, I can uh, envision in the future uh, that the idea of MTM has just expanded that patients understand they're going to get a comprehensive medication review annually, at least, if not uh, t twice a year, uh, at their pharmacy with their pharmacist. And uh, the, the testing, whether that is for their cholesterol or for a, an urgent need that they have, is all done at the pharmacy. And, and, and I continue to say this, uh, this kind of phrasing, uh, the one-stop shop their healthcare needs. And I really think that's where pharmacists, especially in our rural communities, that's what they need to be seen as. Yeah. Especially with, you mentioned with some specific labs that need to be tested. I know even for an example for me, like if I need to go and visit my doctor and they want me to get a lab done, whatever it might be. Well, I probably didn't know that day going into my appointment that I was going to need to get that done. So I need to come back a different day. They say they open at seven, but I have to get back to town from a different town that I would have been in just to even go to class or maybe get to work. But 
I live down the road, for example, from Cedar Care, and I'm sure, I mean, we know the statistics. It's like 90 some odd percent of people in the United States live within just a few miles of a pharmacy. And not that they need to have, you know, an MRI or something in there, but they can have basic, basic diagnostic labs that can be done there. Um, I think it, in that, and like what you're saying, in that setting, it's a lot easier for me to wake up, get ready for work, stop at the pharmacy for a quick, maybe I did a phone call appointment the night before just to tell them, hey, I'm coming in, and then just leave, and that's it. Um, get my results later, maybe, uh, hopefully, in a EMR of some sort that's then connected with my doctor's office, those sorts of things <laughs> where we can, we, the, I, I think the, the term I'm going to, I'm going to kind of seal this from uh, sort of the, uh, the military side for what people do, but it's pharmacy can be a force multiplier in that sense where you can, you can help your other practitioners in the area better, better the health of their patients but also empower patients to do that for themselves at the same time. That's great. And, and Andre, I want to turn to you one more time and just simply ask, how has COVID um, changed some of the practical aspects of what you're doing at Shrivers? So I think um, something that I keep hearing a lot of is pharmacy moving towards this appointment-based model. And if anything, in this pandemic, we've definitely um, started to get a lot of experience on like scheduling patients and being more um, what's the word like to be more intentional about um, our interactions with our patients and making them more focused you know with our COVID testing patients can schedule appointments online with our COVID vaccines patients can schedule appointments online and I think that initially when we started thinking about, oh, you know, patients scheduling appointments to come to the pharmacy, how is it any different than a doctor? Does that make us less accessible for our patients? But I feel like it's actually been a really positive thing and patients have really embraced it. And I think um, kind of as Thad was saying, you know, becoming these healthcare hubs, I think that it is completely possible for us to move forward in that kind of aspect where a patient can make an appointment with a pharmacy and get a strep test or, you know, any other point of care test that they offer um, and come in and maybe get their medications filled at the same time. And like these interactions with our pharmacists and our patients are more intentional and more focused and they're, um, they have more clinical relevance as far as like their outcomes go. We're making sure patients are adherent to their medications. They're getting access to services that maybe weren't as easy for them to get um, before. So I think that um, this appointment-based model and having kind of this like healthcare hub um, and a testing center at the pharmacy is kind of a, a doable model. And we've kind of started to see that just with, um, all the services that we've added since the pandemic um, has started. So, and then that will lead right into with provider status being um, more of a, an applicable thing, especially now with the changes that are coming out and us being able to have IDs for billing and with Medicare and stuff like that. Um, I think that it could be really exciting um, opportunity for us to even be in more collaboration with prescribers and other professionals and really fostering a better healthcare team for our patients. 
I would say to all that as one challenge as we close is, is the one thing uh, over the number of years as a practicing pharmacist uh, that I've seen is a continued challenge that Matt brought up is the integration of an electronic medical records that all healthcare professionals, all providers uh, at a medical uh, level can see the patient's med history and, um, and really add to that as we continue to see these patients. So um, that, that's a question that's still left unanswered. Um, how does pharmacy and the pharmacists, especially in the community settings, fit into uh, having access to the information that they need to care well for their patients? Yeah, that's a great point and a, and a great one to end on. Well, uh, I appreciate, um, Thad, you joining us here for the podcast today. It's been a pleasure to talk about how you see pharmacy advancing as a member of the healthcare team. And, and Andrea, thanks for the great work you're doing down there at, at Shrivers in, in um, Southern Ohio. Um, continue the great work. Appreciate everything you're doing. And thanks again for joining us today. Thank you. You've been listening to Disrupt, the podcast for the Cedarville University's Center for Pharmacy Innovation. If you've enjoyed listening today, please subscribe and share this podcast with others. Thanks for listening.